Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show for this August 16, 2016 edition. I broadcast weekdays, that's Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on WINB. And for more ways to listen, simply go to WeekendVigilante.com and click on the Listen tab for more ways to listen to the show. For those of you on the go, the podcast is available as well as the customized app. Very convenient way for you, the listener, to pick up the show for those of you on the go. Available for all smart devices now. We're very excited about that. So do download the Weekend Vigilante app. And if you have not done so, do Sign up for my social media, that's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Those social media icons can be found at the very top right at WeekendVigilante.com. I just want to make a quick announcement about the new book, Power Prayers. That's by Carla Biotata and myself. The book is going to be out anytime over the next 10 days. I cannot speed up the typesetting. It's in the very final stages getting ready to be released any day. Please have patience. I guarantee it will be worth the wait. If you have not pre-ordered your copy, there is a link on my website on the right-hand side. It says order now. Click on that. Secure your copy today. You will not be disappointed. You're not just going to see a difference in your prayer life. You're going to see a difference in your life. I'm telling you right now, this book is the most important work I've ever put together. What a blessing this is. And I'm excited to get it in your hands fast and furious because we're coming up on some pretty dark times. And I know this book is very timely considering what we're up against. So again, just be patient. Anytime now, I'll keep you posted. Well, I'm very excited about my guest today. I.D. Gwabadia. He is a Nigerian pastor who now lives in the United States very anointed man of God, especially in the apostolic healing, deliverance, and teaching ministry. He is the author of four very incredible books. I have a link to them on my website bio today. Wow, I'm so excited to invite him on the program. Pastor ID, welcome. It is a pleasure to have you on for the first time and hopefully one of many more times. Welcome to the program, sir. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Now, ID, you have a very powerful testimony quite an interesting background deep in the Nigerian occult. Tell the listeners about your background. Give your testimony and how you became a Christian. Okay, um, praise God. Um, I grew up well in the sense that um, I got a good education. By the age of um, 22, I had 
got my master's degree in commercial and corporate law from the University of London. And as at that time, I was pretty much um, agnostic. I just did not even care about the things of God or even bother to concern myself with whether there was a God or not. Uh, in a nutshell, God was of no consequence to me and irrelevant in my life. So against that background, I stumbled into the world of the occult. I was introduced into the occultic realm by acquaintances of mine, I would say, and I went out of curiosity, out of curiosity, and um, in my heart, I was like, this thing is not real, and I'm going there to prove that it is unreal. I was going there to prove that it is unreal. And bear in mind, at this time, I was in my early 20s, my mid-20s. Um, I'm 49 now, so we're talking of something that happened over 20 years ago. And um, the first thing I was made to do in the occult was make a covenant. And I did not pay that covenant any mind. I was like, what's the big deal? I will prove that they are wrong and that Satan doesn't exist, that Satan is a fiction. And if Satan is a fiction, God is a fiction as well. And in my quest to prove that, and out of curiosity... I made that covenant in an occultic shrine in Lagos, Nigeria. I made that covenant in an occultic shrine. And to my amazement, power started to arrive at the shrine. And bear in mind, prior to this, I had no experience with demons. I had nothing like that. And to my amazement, this power started to arrive. And I could tell when a different power came into the shrine. So, as at that point, immediately I was put on notice that there's another world. It became so apparent that there's another world and that there are invincible powers with intelligence that influence our physical realm. So, now I know this and I'm like, Idy, you better be smart. You just made a covenant. And the terms of that covenant were, if I were to reveal the secrets of this occultic house, I would either die in a car accident or be paralyzed for life. And something in my gut told me, <laughs> don't mess with this covenant. You've seen some powers today. Don't mess with this covenant. At that moment, I just knew I had made a mistake. I just knew I had made a mistake. But there was no way out for me. I did not know Jesus Christ. So there was no way out for me to come out of that, except a door was opened. And I could not see any open door at the time. So I was left with no option than to go deeper into that demonic realm. Now, as I progressed in that occultic house, it's the Sea Lodge, you know, it's a house that deals with spirits from under the sea, to be specific, seven spirits from under the sea, seven strong men from under the sea, spirits from India. There's a connection between my home country, Nigeria and India, spirits from India, and um, the queen of the coast. All these demons were embodied in the Sea Lodge, and I began to have like a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them and they began to define what my destiny would look like and what was expected of me. Now, as I progressed, blood covenants became more rampant. You would, they want you to kill a cow, they want you to kill a goat, they want you to, as you grow, you begin to kill um, bigger animals. And now the, the time came when they wanted me to to, to sacrifice a human being, a relative, and I, I just was not willing to do that. I just was not willing to do that. But prior to that, 
there we have four of us that they put in a unit in a cell i was made the leader i was made the leader of this cell and the other three were so upset they were so upset and the demons made them agree that i was the leader by inflicting them with wounds and sores and all manner of affliction and as i progressed there i remember they now had fortune for me there was fortune you know we'd done some sacrifices and there was fortune for me i saw the wealth uh, this is in the 90s we had in the wealth they brought from under the sea it came there to the shrine the spirits brought it it had dutch marks it had dollars it had pound sterling it had lira it had um, nigerian currency and it was filled to the brim and this was money for us to spend to use as we, we please i mean i was in my 20s i was excited to be exposed to so much cash and the spirits the demons actually laughed and said you know you're such a small boy this is just this is nothing actually compared to the source where it's coming from under the sea we have vaults under the sea and we just brought one box to you if you don't keep the terms of the covenant you die in a car accident or you're paralyzed for life and they kept reminding me of that and i said you know what in fact i saw a a, a european man in Nigeria, he was killed in a car accident. He had made so much money from the oil industry. He belonged to the sea lodge. He had made so much money from the oil industry. And when it was time for him to make his um, annual sacrifice, human sacrifice, he refused. He refused and he died on the Lagos Ibadan Expressway, uh, a highway in Nigeria. Wow. So, so I, I knew that. So I kept saying, how can I get out of this mess? But the more I wanted to get out of this mess is the more I got sucked in deeper into the mess. And so now in my unit, there are four of us. One in particular, one gentleman called Felix was looking for a way. I don't know. He probably went to another demonic house, to another demonic house to get powers, to get powers to, to undermine me, the leader of our units, so that he could be the leader. But, you know, darkness is a network, so we did that, of course. The spirits from under the sea, we are aware, and they afflicted him with boils and sores. Within a space of 24 hours, they afflicted him with boils and sores all over his body. In fact, when I saw Felix, he even opened like his um, underwear for me to see his private part, the boils, and I was just like, you, this is so gross. And he confessed to me and said, you know, this is why this has happened. And bear in mind, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a clue about the Bible. Even though I grew up Anglican, I grew up in the Anglican church, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I said to Felix, I said, you know what? We're about the same age. We're all about this. I said, I forgive you. It's no big deal. I forgive you. No, now you know better. So when we go back to the shrine to meet with the demons, I tell them, I say, you know what? I see what Felix has done. They say, yeah, he will suffer for it. And next time he will know not to do that. I said, you know what? I've forgiven him. Why don't you forgive him? And they laughed. They said, ah, in this kingdom, there is no forgiveness. We don't know what is forgiveness. There's nothing like forgiveness in our kingdom. And bear in mind, I had to pause and process that. And I said, gee, if there's no forgiveness in this kingdom, that means the moment I make a slight mistake, I'm toast. You know? And that's the more I kept looking for a way out, kept looking for a way out. But there was just none. So it got to a point, he said, yes, we know you have, because um, bear in mind, when I entered there, I, was, I didn't really believe in God or that God existed. 
but I had like that Christian background in the sense that I just went to church when I was younger. And they said, yes, you can go to church. We want, in fact, we want you to be going to church. And they told me the kind of churches to go to. You know, say, so, yeah, you can go to church. When you go there, just clap your hand. You know, just clap your hand. You don't have to go through the motion with them. And when you go to church, we will show you if the pastor is our member or is not our member. By the signal, you will know if that pastor is for us or is not for us. So, yes, I would go to church. And while I was in the Sea Lodge, this is 1992-93, uh, that I wasn't like a top warlock. You know, actually, I was a recruit and I was going through the ranks and I was going through like what you call processing. And um, in the Sea Lodge, people came from all over the world to collect power, all over the world to collect power. Wow. Pastors, apostles, prophets, military commanders, politicians, businessmen, they all came to collect power from the devil to make their way prosper. Some pastors came so that their congregation will be increased, their congregation will grow. Some came to receive uh, power to perform signs and wonders. And those demons, we give them the power. We give them the power. They will use the name of Jesus, but they will use the power of Satan. So they were doing the work in Jesus' name, but using Satan's power. And I was privy to all this. I saw all this, but I just really did not... My mind wasn't driven to the church or to the ministry of Jesus Christ. I was just like, how would I get out of this mess? And bear in mind, I couldn't tell, I couldn't confide in anybody. Because these are familiar spirits, they know what you do. I couldn't say to anybody, oh, you know, I'm a member of this organization. I couldn't say to my parents at the time, hey, this is what is happening. I was fearful of my life. Now, as I progressed in the Sea Lodge, the time came when it became apparent that they needed a human sacrifice from me. The person they were suggesting I nominate, in fact, I said to myself, I'd rather nominate myself than nominate that person. I'd rather, it was my error, I shouldn't have gone into this mess. I would rather die than point a finger for somebody else to die so that I get more power or become more wealthy. No. I said, I, I, so we, we had like that deadlock. And now that there was a deadlock, I go to my hometown, which is like 200 miles from Lagos, a place called Benin City. I go there and I'm in a public bus one day and a magician just looks at me in the bus and says, ah, you have wealth under the sea. Why are you wasting time? Do what you have to do and go and collect it. And I had to pretend like I did not know what he was talking about because I signed an oath with blood not to discuss sea lodge matters with strangers. Now, Bear in mind, the part of West Africa, Nigeria, I come from, is a very spiritual place. You have five-year-old psychics, seven-year-old psychics. You know, you have witches, warlocks, eight-year-old, nine-year-old. You know, and um, so those are not strange things where I come from. Right. They're not strange things, you know. They are quite rampant. And you also have, of course, the grace of God there flowing, the power of God flowing as well. So this even more than convinced me that, yes... The spirit realm is real. I'd, I had seen it. Now I know. And uh, I knew it wasn't um, fairy tales any longer. And I kept thinking, how do I go out of this? But at the same time, I was enjoying certain privileges. I, Nigeria at the time was a militarized society. We were under a military government, an oppressive military government. Um, there was also um, a lot of crime, armed robbery at the time, but I had the assurance from the Sea Lodge that I could move around in Nigeria at any time untouched. 
In fact, the military government imposed a curfew. Um, Nigerians had to be home by 7 p.m. 11 p.m. I could still be outside unharmed. 1 a.m. I could go through a military checkpoint unharmed or even unseen. You know, so I had that. I enjoyed those kind of stupid privileges, I would call with hindsight. But I was still in the camp of the devil. I was still in the camp of the devil. And that wasn't the destiny I envisioned for myself when I completed my master's program in law. The destiny I envisioned for myself was that after my master's program in the University of London, I would teach in the Nigerian University for like a year and then apply to go to the PhD in law in the United States. That had always been my um, my interest. But now that had been put on hold by by demons. And the demons would um, speak to me clearly. In that sea lodge, that is a major house in the sea in West Africa. In West Africa, that's a major demonic house. It's divided into seven. There's a spirit husband, spirit mother, spirit wife, spirit sister, and other spirits. Now, when the seven spirits of the sea lodge meet, when they come together, the one with the authority that the other spirits submit to is the spirit mother. Whatever the spirit, because the spirit mother is the queen, whatever the spirit mother, the queen sees, the others follow. The others follow. There is no argument. The spirit mother said to me, we went to a swampy area in Lagos, very swampy area in a place called Ketu. I had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the spirit mother and she called my name, my first name, Idemudia. ID for short, but Idemudia. She called it so affectionately, you know, so uh, like a melody. And I always say till today, till today, just to be honest, I hate to say it, but till today, no one has called my name so, so sweet. If I never knew my name could be called like that, it almost swept me up my feet. Wow. And the, the demon said, the, the spirit mother said, Idemudia, we love you. And we're going to make you great in this country. We're going to make you great. We're going to make you famous and wealthy in this country. And I'm like, why would they want to do this? And they began to make me understand that the reason why I was made leader of my group is because I'm young and I'm educated. I was the most educated. So they are looking for educated people to recruit into occultic houses because educated people have more potential to be in Congress. They have more potential to be in the executive arm of governments and the ju judicial arm of governments. So they were looking desperately for educated people to recruit and give power so that when they put them in legislative houses, they can make demonic laws for them. They can pass demonic laws easily. So, so in a way, I was like an asset to them. Nothing goes for nothing. You know, nothing goes for nothing. So I was so confused. I am... Um, as a result of this, um, my consumption of alcohol and tobacco skyrocketed. I could consume a bottle of whiskey in a day, you know, a packet of cigarettes in a day. You know, it just skyrocketed. And um, people that knew me were like, this is not the idea we know. This is not the idea we know. Even my parents, they were like, my mom especially, she was like, I can't put my finger to this, but son, this is not you. What's going on? And I'm like, nothing. Everything is okay. You know, and um, so my 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 um, dependence on um, alcohol and tobacco increased. Thank God I was in Nigeria. At least at that time, access to hard drugs was um, not easy. 
Mm-hmm. So Nigeria is not a society where maybe it has changed now, but in my time, Nigeria wasn't a society where you see crack on the street or cocaine on the streets. All you will see is um, tobacco and um, maybe marijuana. So I was so into that. And then there was a political crisis in Nigeria in the summer of 1993, a huge political crisis. A curfew was imposed. Um, the whole society shut down. Transportation shut down. Communication shut down. The military shut down the society. It was like a state of war. And now I was in my hometown, Benin City, and I had to go for a meeting in Lagos with the Sea Lodge, the headquarters, the shrine. And it was difficult to get there because there was no transportation. But eventually I made it there. I think the meeting was for like 12 noon. Eventually I got there by like 5 p.m. It wasn't easy to get to Lagos, but I got there. And to my amazement, they punished me. They said, you are supposed to come at 12. And I said, you know what? It's the way the country is. There's no transportation. The soldiers are on the road. They said, we don't care. We don't care. When we, an agreement is an agreement. If you're to come at 12, you must be here 12 on the dot, no matter what. We don't care. And they find me like um, a carton of gin. A, a good fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a good fine, you know. But I was like, okay, no problem. And in retrospect... Could not afford to go late for any meeting. If you're to meet with a spirit in the bush, in the forest, in the swamps, you don't get there late. The punishment is so severe. But in the body of Christ, if church is to start at 10, people are still coming in at 11 o'clock. <laughs> you know, thank God for grace. You know, there's grace in the kingdom of light. So they punished me for little infractions like that. Little infractions like that. Now, when I first got to the sea lodge, I worked with a wizard, a chief wizard called, um, I don't even want to call his name. I'll just say, let me use his initials, E.G. Initials E.G. I worked with a chief wizard called E.G. And he initiated me into his shrine. He initiated me into his shrine. And in his shrine were all kinds of demonic things. Demonic things. And now, when you graduate in the spirit realm, your shrine changes. You know, your shrine changes. So now, by the next day, they were bumping me up. It was like an accelerated promotion. So they bumped me up, and that meant that now I'm reporting to a different shrine. And when I got to the second shrine, still in Lagos, Nigeria, Lagos is on the coast. When I entered, I almost fainted. I almost fainted because I could not believe that in spite of the evil I'd seen in the first shrine, that the second shrine could be worse. I couldn't believe that any shrine could be as bad as that shrine. Now, in this shrine, it was smeared with human blood. There was a pool of human blood. In this shrine, you have huge snakes. When I say huge, Sheila, huge. I don't know how to describe them. Fat snakes all over the shrine. All over. Some, Some just stay still. Some are moving. Some are moving. You know, and of course, there are spirits in those snakes, you know. So I was so frightened. I was so scared. And the chief priest of the shrine was laughing. In fact, he was very mean. He was, compared to E.G., he was so, so wicked, so mean. Wasn't ready for like jokes or anything. So mean. And now, the same seven spirits of the sea lodge come there. So I'm surprised. I thought I was going to meet new, new, new powers. But it's the same powers coming to a higher shrine now they repeat what they have told me and now they are making more demands for blood sacrifice and i'm the one kind of like delaying and they are getting very upset 
they are getting very upset but i'm just like i can't do this i can't do this now prior to this sorry this story i'm just telling it haphazardly because i'm just speaking impromptu prior to this i had a dream in my hometown and in this dream i saw myself by the door of a church and by the pulpit of that church was a man he needed no introduction i just knew that this was jesus christ i just knew and he told me to come and there was nobody in the church it was just jesus and i so i'm walking down the aisle to get to jesus in the dream and charms and stuff start to fall off from my body charms that the demons have put in me start to fall off from my body as i'm getting closer to jesus he was shining he was bright shining and bright and i'm looking around as i'm getting closer to him i'm getting weaker and weaker i'm looking around and i'm like we are the seven spirits that are supposed to help me they are nowhere to be found where is the queen of the coast where is where are spirits from india they are nowhere to be found i'm surprised i'm all alone with this with this man so i get in front of him and i say ah in my spirit in the dream i said this is my enemy this is our enemy and i'm looking none of the demons are around i said this is our enemy the jesus i saw in that dream it was very obvious he was on a mission he did not have time to waste and he just told me point blank with such peace and authority go and sin no more go and sin no more give me scriptures dealing with repentance and i the first thing i did when i woke up was i have to find the bible bear in mind i don't know what is new testament what is old testament i don't know which book is in the new testament i don't know which book is in the old testament but i have to look for somewhere in the bible where it says go and sin no more i have to find this go and sin no more and then i started to read the bible i started to read the bible i was still smoking i was still drinking i was still trafficking in demons but i began to read the bible because i was fascinated by this man that spoke with such authority and peace and no demon was around to speak. Bear in mind, in the sea lodge, we are forbidden to mention the name of Jesus. So now, I go for one of the meetings and when you go for a meeting in a shrine, it's the four people in my units and then the power start to arrive. They start to arrive. They start to arrive. They start to arrive. When the first spirit comes, you will know he has come. The second one, because they come, their countenance is different and their levels of wickedness are different. You know, when they are, when the sixth spirit comes and they are all talking and they are swearing and cursing, when the seventh one will come, you know that's the spirit mother, they all keep quiet. You will know she has come. So anyway, they say, did you have a dream? They say, you had a dream. Did you have a dream? You had a dream, ID. They called me a demo there. They said, the demo there, you had a dream. I said, no, I did not have a dream. That is about the only lie I told them that they did not find out was a lie. Every other lie they found out, they punished me. So I knew not to lie to them. I knew not to lie to them. So that was about the only lie I told them. And they couldn't really tell whether it was true or a lie. <laughs> so they let me off the hook. And now I began to say to myself, I don't think I'm dumb. I don't think I'm stupid. I began to say to myself, if there's darkness, there must be light. If there's Satan, there must be God. There must be. So now, I cannot shake this dream out of me. I just cannot shake this dream. Because it was just so real. It was just so real. There was no way this dream could leave my spirit. And then, I go before the spirits again. And now, they want to give me a new mind. 
and they call it is a cleansing. So the chief priest comes. This is in the newer higher shrine. The chief priest comes. He takes a bowl of water. I mean, there's blood all over the place. There are snakes, reptiles moving all around the shrine. And he uses water to wash my head and blood starts to ooze out. And I touch my head. I feel the blood. I see the blood. And I know it is water that went to my head, but blood is coming out. They want to give me a new mind. They did all that. And I, now I left more, even more confused. I'm like, where do I stand? But still, I couldn't shake this Jesus out. I couldn't shake this Jesus Christ out. And then, because of the political um, quagmire I referred to that went on in my country at that time, I decided to leave for the United States. I said, you know what? I will come to America for like a month or two. And when the universities in Nigeria opened, I will go back and teach. Because I was trying to prepare for like a PhD. So I'm trying to build my case to get admission into an American university for the PhD. So I said, you know what? I'll just come to America for like a month or two. I have the visa already. And when the political crisis is over, I will come back. So I come to America. But before I come to America, I go to the Sea Lodge. Now, my plan to travel to America, only three people know. Only three people. Myself and my parents. And my brother in the United States, four. Only the four of us know. No other person knows about it. We've kept it secret. We don't want nobody to know. I go to the shrine. They say, Idemudia, so you're about to travel out of the country. Wow. I said, really? And they start to laugh. They laugh. They laugh. They laugh. They say, yes. They say, you can travel out. But remember your covenant. <laughs> remember your covenant. I said, yes. Got a long story short, I live for the United States. Now... I'm in the U.S. I give my life to Christ in the U.S. I said, this Jesus, you have to help me. In Nigeria, I had gone through the motion. I had given my life to Christ, but my life wasn't showing the fruits. It's one thing to say a sinner's prayer and give your life to Christ and say you're a born-again Christian and there's no fruits. You're still doing the old things. The old man did not die. You know, so now I come to the United States. I give my life to Christ and then the attacks begin. So now it starts to get worse. The attacks begin. The first thing that is released against me is a spirit of death. A spirit of death is released against me. And now I said, you know what? Should I go back to Nigeria? And then my older brother here suggests to me, he says, Idemudia, why don't you just study for the New York bar exams? I'm like, can I do that? He says, yes, just, you know, why don't you try it? So I study, I do the New York bar exam. I pass it at first sitting, you know, praise God. So now... I'm, I'm focusing on entering um, the New York bar. And the attacks are increasing. The spirit of death, spirit of death. I would be sleeping and I would see myself in a coffin. Powers were chasing me. Dead powers were chasing me. It got to a point where I said, you know what? God, deliver me from this spirit of death. I cannot keep my life anymore. It's like every day I wake up, I feel I'm going to die today. That today is my last day on earth. God, you have to help me. And I remember sitting down in the back of a church. And there was a prophetess ministering one day. And she said, that man at the back, I see your head cut off. Death is pursuing you, but cannot catch you. People in the congregation did not understand what she was saying, but it was very clear to me that she knew what she was talking about. Yeah. It was very clear to me. So now, my major prayer for deliverance was against the spirit of death. Now, this spirit caused me to be hospitalized. I suffered like a partial heart failure. 
and they said, ah, we've come for you. Now is the time. We told you we will get you. Now you must go with us. And I kept saying, Jesus, I don't want to die. Jesus, I don't want to die. So here I am in hospital. I had this um, pericarditis, severe pericarditis. My heart was beating so fast. And the demons were saying, your time is up. You must go with us according to our covenant. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to die. Jesus, save me. I don't want to die. So now I get discharged from hospital. I'm looking like a broomstick. By the time I come out of hospital, I'm looking like a broomstick. I've lost my job, lost my home, lost all my property. The things I had in storage, they were auctioned off. And now I was left alone, homeless. I became homeless as a few months, like maybe a month or two after I was discharged from hospital homelessness began to stare me in the face so i had not yet recovered my strength and i was entering into homelessness and i said god if you don't help me with this one it's like i'm going to die it's like i'm going to die in fact a gentleman saw me on the street and recognized me and was like so shocked if you had seen me in 2005 late 2005 you would have said there is no way this man will live for another two months the most you would give me is a month or two to live. You say, there's no way this guy will not die. That's how bad it was for me. And then something interesting happened. In my homelessness, I said, let me go visit a church. So I started to walk to that church. It was like a Friday. I got to the church and the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go to that church. So I said, oh, okay. And then I start to walk back towards like the park. And I pick up a newspaper on the, on the ground. It was like a Christian newspaper. And it talks about a weekend event, like a conference for the weekend in Brooklyn. So I said, okay, I'll go there. So I go there. I sit on the conference Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Sunday, the Holy Spirit told me to get up and minister to the visiting minister, the visiting prophet that came. And I said, come on, Holy Spirit, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. They don't know me. I'm homeless. But I couldn't sit on that seat anymore. That seat became like fire. So I go to the front of the church. This homeless man goes to the front of the church. And of course, the, um, the host pastor tries to tell me to go back and sit down. And I, I was very happy to want to go back and sit down. In fact, I was praying the host pastor would tell me to go back and sit down. That's what I wanted. And then the visiting minister was like, yes, let him speak. And I spoke. I spoke concerning the church, the history of the church, how the Lord showed me how the church was formed, that there was a quarrel now that church and it came out of a church split. I said everything right there and there before the service. And the Holy Spirit right there and there opened the door for me. And that church began to accommodate me. I was now sleeping in the sanctuary of that church. And then I now got a job. I now got a job parking cars in a garage in Manhattan. Bear in mind, this is a man that is a lawyer. Bear in mind, this is a man that was an executive agency counsel director of legal affairs in the New York City government. And now I'm parking cars in a garage, praise God. In my parking cars in a garage, the Lord begins to give me series and series of visions. Series and series of visions. I'm so grateful to the Lord for that time. I'm so grateful to the Lord for that time. And then he brings me in contact with uh, a few customers in the garage that helped me get a better job. And then my reinstatement as an attorney. So this, in a nutshell, is how the Lord led me out of darkness 
into light. But it came with serious warfare against some demonic powers. Powers that have vowed that I will be wretched for life, I will be miserable for life, I will be frustrated in my life, and that, I will, and that they will kill me prematurely. Well, I'm still alive today. That testifies to the power of Jesus Christ. I'm not poor and wretched. That testifies to the power of Jesus Christ. That testifies that Jesus will make a way for you no matter what the devil has said concerning you. So today, I'm still standing by the grace, by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in my homelessness that God began to speak to me about our ministry over commerce in Christ. He began to speak to me about that ministry. Now, in my homelessness, God had used me to prophetically minister to an American businessman, to an American businessman. And now I'm coming out of homelessness. I'm renting a small one room in the South Bronx of New York. This was a rough neighborhood. So now I'm renting a small one room in the South Bronx of New York. It's like a matchbox. My room was like a matchbox. And this American businessman called me and he said, ID. He said, God said, I should give you a car. I said, God said, you should give me a car. He said, yes. I said, well, tell God I don't need a car. What I need is a job. I'm sorry, I don't need a car. He calls me the next week. He says, ID, please. The Holy Spirit is giving me no break. He's giving me no break. He says, I must give you a car. And I said to him, I'm just working in a garage. I earn less than $300 a week. How can I afford a car? Please tell the Holy Spirit that is telling you that, that I don't want a car. <laughs> and he says to me, ID, I'll pay for this car. I'll register it. I'll put the insurance on the car. Just come and take the car. And it's not a lemon. It's a good car. I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I take the car. That same week, I take the car. The Lord gave me a job as an attorney in New Jersey that required me to drive to get to work. And that same week, I took the car. So I knew the hand of God was upon my life. And now God has blessed us with two ministries, one in Brooklyn, one in Newark, New Jersey, Brooklyn, New York, and Newark, New Jersey, where we fight the forces of darkness in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, where we see on a weekly basis captives being loosed and set free, where mighty works of deliverance take place. It's amazing. It's amazing what God has done for us. And I know it's not by my own strength. I know it's not by my own power. And that keeps me, how would I say this? It's hard to say this. That humbles me. That humbles me to know that I know that what is going on is not because of me. It's in spite of me. And that, um, that humbles me. And I'm very, very thankful to God. Amen. Amen. That's, a, that's about it. Well, and what a powerful story of coming out of that deep darkness into the light. And I thought it was really interesting. I mean, the whole piece around you saying, hey, if Satan's real, then God must be real too. I thought that was really profound. And imagine the London school where you got your master's in law. I mean, that would make Harvard Law graduates salivate, you know, a high-powered corporate attorney. Here he's working in a parking garage. And then you pass your New York bar exam. I mean, so many amazing things. And then here's a homeless guy, comes into a church, the Holy Spirit. Hey, I've been there, done that one, when the Holy Spirit won't leave you alone. And really how God orchestrated certain things so that you could come into the full prophetic ministry. I mean, ministering to that senior pastor prophetically at that conference, 
that's so powerful and what culminated with the other folks that you ministered to and how you came into your ministry. Just really amazing how the tables turned from kind of this high-ranking occult well, warlock, for lack of a better word, into a powerful deliverance minister who deals with the very hosts of hell that were once plaguing and tormenting him. You know, I used to say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It's really humbling to discover we're nothing without him, but everything in Jesus Christ, really. It's humbling. Yes, it is. You know, as you were talking about the shrine and the wizard and the people that were training you in these spirits, I was thinking, you know, when you go in a witch coven or the occult, boy, they're pretty quick to train you on your powers. It doesn't work the opposite, though, very well, does it? When you are a new Christian and you come into the church, they're sure not teaching people about their power and authority. They're not even teaching it to their long-term members. ID, does it surprise you that for the most part, the church is not dealing with spiritual warfare? With your background, does that surprise you, ID? Um, yes and no. No, because... The Bible tells us that the God of this age has blinded them. You see, one thing that blinds us in our churches is materialism. You know, we think that once we are okay materially, therefore we must be okay spiritually. You know, and mammon is a big deceiver. You know, so we have so many churches in quotes that are prosperous and they think that spiritually they are okay. That's why Jesus says to that church in Revelation, you think you are rich, but you are wretched. You know, you think you're rich, but you are wretched. You think you can see, but you're blind. You know, and that in a, in a sense explains why there's such apathy for spiritual warfare in our churches. Now, about 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, I used to go to a very, it's a very good church in Brooklyn. I won't mention the name. It's a good church, popular church, well-known church. And when I went for a Christian meeting in my home country, a prophetess spoke to me and said, I see you in a very big church. Ah, that church, they sing, they sing, they sing. They are known all over the world for singing, but they are asleep. This prophetess that spoke to me has never left my hometown. She's never even been to Lagos, I doubt. She said, but I see you in that big church. Their choir is popular, but they are asleep. So there are, there are many like that that equate success, you know, material success, even success in ministry with... um." spiritual success and that is not necessarily the case that is not necessarily the case you know so that's that's um where we are i think what people need to see satan has blinded them what they need to see is a demonstration of power the bible says the kingdom of god is not about talk but about a demonstration of the spirit and power we need to see more demonstration of god's power in our midst absolutely with signs following them right absolutely agree and because you're from nigeria you know, you see these evangelists like Reinhard Bonnke will go into a city and these places like Africa, and there's like millions that get powerfully saved and delivered. I mean, it's just mind-boggling that we don't really see anything like that period in the West. What do you attribute that to, I.D.? Uh, with Nigeria and, you see, with impoverished countries, not just Nigeria, with impoverished countries, there's such a hunger and a thirst for the things of God because there are no alternatives. 
you see, there are no alternatives. They don't have access to the kind of health care we have in the West. There are no alternatives. So it's either God or nothing. So when you see a poor man or a poor woman in an African or an Asian country or wherever, there's such a hunger for God because they know that there's no other solution. They don't have no uncle that can help them. They don't have no government that can help them. They don't have no social security that can help them. They don't have no friend that can help them. So they know that the only one that can help them must be this Jesus Christ. So that is their, their last card. <laughs> and he always comes through for them. Absolutely. Amen. And ID, in the last 10 minutes of the program, give out your information, how people can contact you. Also, get your great books, contact your ministry, support your ministry. And any final thoughts that you would like to leave with the listeners? Hmm. Certainly. Um, my name is Idemudia Gobadia, ID for short. I'm pastor of Overcomers in Christ Faith Assembly in Brooklyn, New York, and Overcomers in Christ Deliverance Assembly in Newark, New Jersey. Um, you could visit our website, Overcomers in Christ. US. There are books I have written, praise God. One of them is called Fighting for Deliverance, and another is called Walking for Christ. Um, these are good books that can also help you in terms of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. But I would just like to encourage listeners. I would like to encourage listeners. God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. God is a God of principles. And his principles are founded upon righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. I would just like to encourage listeners, we are entering into a season where the wave of persecution is going to increase. These are the last days. We all know these are the last days. These are perilous times. And persecution of believers shall increase. And I want to encourage you as I encourage myself, our response to persecution must be to remain faithful and to endure to the end. Times are coming that are going to stretch our faith. And we would have to be faithful, not compromise, and endure to the end. You know, this is not a season. In fact, persecution will almost suggest to you, will suggest to you that you compromise and become apostates. But you must endure to the end. Do not disregard or disobey God because of persecution, because of trouble, you know, and God wants to know that you're standing with him no matter what, no matter what. God wants to know that you will obey him even when it seems like disobeying God will have personal advantages. Don't cut corners. In fact, historically, Bible history, historically, it is governments that have persecuted the church. Governments and heads of governments that have persecuted the church. In the time of Moses, the Israelites were persecuted by Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It was the king of Egypt, the king of a kingdom that was persecuting the Jews. In the time of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, it was King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The Babylon government was the one persecuting them. The officials of Babylon were the ones persecuting the children of God. And it was the government of Babylon that said they should worship a different god. They built a statue and said, this is the god you must worship now. And we are seeing similarities even today. Today, 
whether you're in Canada, you're in Africa, wherever you are, Australia, America, global culture is changing. The global culture is changing. And the spirit of Antichrist is upon us. The spirit of the Antichrist is upon us. And the primary ministry of the Antichrist is to usurp Jesus Christ in our churches, in our lives. So the Antichrist comes to be another kind of Christ. And then when he usurps Christ, he starts to oppose Christ in the lives of, our, of, of the people. So we must be very careful as this persecution is increasing. Culture is also changing. Societies and governments in the West are very tolerant of New Age, atheism, Islam, worldliness, mammon. And these are the spirits that, that persecute genuine Christians and fight against the church. But I know, as Jesus has said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But the church must be very discerning in these times. We must be very discerning. We must be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to anger. We must be very discerning. We must know the signs of the times and we must know how we ought to respond. We must know how we ought to respond. Now, the way global culture is changing, and I'm not saying thus said the Lord, I'm just giving a, a, my perspective. The way global culture is changing, people are becoming more and more hostile towards um, principles of Christianity. To the point that when, as a Christian, you stand up and you say, this gay marriage thing is wrong, same-sex marriage is wrong, then those with alternative lifestyles will label you the Christian as a hater. They say, look at him, hater, you know, and all you are saying is the truth. And what God is saying in these end times is, do not be afraid to speak the truth. Do not be afraid to speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. And many churches are going to be afraid to speak the truth because they want to please governments. Because they want to please governments. They want to please their sponsors. I pray for God to give me the grace to remain faithful to the cross, even if it means my laying down my life. God give me that grace. So this persecution of Christians is growing globally. Globally, and it has come to the West. It has come to the West. Western governments are beginning to do the same. Western culture, Western society is beginning to do the same. There's like a subtle, very subtle isolation and discrimination against Christians, and it is growing. It's like Christian views are being marginalized. In fact, once upon a time in, in, in New York, there were so many Christian bookstores. Now you can hardly count a Christian bookstore in New York. Wow. Yes, it's, um, so we are being marginalized, and we just have to understand the signs of the times, and even with the rise of Islamic fundamentalism, Islamic extremism. One thing I have seen in my country, Nigeria, because we've, we've suffered a lot at the hand of Islamic fundamentalists, God has used Islam to sharpen the church. God has used Islam to wake up his church. So the church in Nigeria is now more responsive to the things of the Spirit because they know that there is a common enemy and there is the Antichrist that is working against the church. So my prayer for all listening to us today is that 
you will not yield to temptation and you will not be moved by the wave of persecution that is coming because it is already here. It's already here and those that know their God will stand firm and do great exploits. Amen. ID, would you do us the honor of praying for us, please? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, we just thank you for this hour. Lord, we thank you because in all things, your name will be glorified. Father, it is my prayer that all that would listen to this broadcast, Father, it will be a blessing upon their lives, that it would encourage them to dig in deeper into the things of God, that it will encourage them that regardless of their situation, where they may find themselves, that you, O oh God, you are faithful and you are true. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, that such that would listen to this to this message today, O oh God, that Father, where there is no hope, that they will have hope, that they will know, O oh God, that you are with them, that if you be for them, who can be against them? Father, I pray that your people will stand firm in this season, that they will not compromise, O oh God. Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding. Father, we are entering an era now where persecution is going to increase, including financial and economic persecution. Father, give your people the wisdom, oh God, as they hold on to their talents, to know how to grow their talents, to know where to sow their talents. Oh, Father, they will sow their talents on rich ground, in the right ministries, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for your people that you will open our eyes of understanding, that we will know you better. Lord, I thank you for our host, Sheila Zelensky. Father, I thank you for putting it in her heart. To invite me to speak on her show. Father, bless her and enlarge her coast. Lord, enlarge her territory. Lord, open new doors, new gates, new frontiers for her. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, raise up people of substance to bring increase into her ministry. I thank you, Abba Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for such a powerful show today, Idea. I really appreciate your time in coming on the program today. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me share, Sister Sheila. I appreciate it. It is my pleasure. I have done nothing. God bless you. God bless you too, sir. Folks, that was Idemudia Gwabadia, powerful minister. Again, you can find his information at overcomersinchrist.us. That is also linked today on the bio, August 16, 2016 edition. What an amazing man of God. Do check out his website. Reach out to him and let him know that you heard him on the program today. What a blessing he is. We have a fantastic show tomorrow with the one and only Augusto Perez joins us. It's going to be fantastic. And I do have a quick update on the book. We are expecting the book any day. So be patient. Hang in there. Power Prayers Warfare That Works is coming out any day. I thank you for your patience, and I guarantee it's going to be worth the wait. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast today. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, and God bless you.